Hello and welcome to Two White Girls, the radio show. This week's episode is about women. Yay! I'm <laughs> sorry. Not quite yet. Okay, it's not yay because it's actually quite a serious topic. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a trigger, wa- trigger warning, I guess, as well, because we're going to be talking about some quite sensitive issues, which we maybe don't have that much experience with, or uh, maybe don't talk about in the way that some people would find the most comfortable. So yeah. uh, we're going to be talking about sexual violence and rape and all these thorny issues and how they relate to feminism and race. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Gary, do you want to kick us off with this? What did we read for this week? Yeah, so this week um, we read a paper by Harris. I don't know their first name, but basically talking about how we need to give up this idea idea of gender essentialism which basically means that a lot of the things that we um, base our gender policy or women's policy is based off of the needs of middle-class white women and we don't really take a look at like what other communities are dealing with so so basically it's it's kind of a critique of a feminist legal theory which Mm -hmm. at first she she gives credit as in feminist legal theories highlighted that people experience the law, people experience politics in a different way depending mm-hmm. on your gender. Yeah. So th- the core of feminism is, that's also mentioned there is obviously that women have been repressed, um, they're dominated by patriarchal culture and that all women aspire to be... Uh, to, to be equal to men and that that's what it's about but that we also need to remember that not every experience of womanhood is the same and that can be racially different and that that angle needs to be brought into it because quote where she explains it she says just as law itself in trying to speak for all persons ends up silencing those without power Feminist legal theory is in danger of silencing those who have traditionally been kept from speaking or who have been ignored when they spoke, including black women. Yeah. So I think that that's what she's trying to get at, is that a lot of the feminist theory that was, um, you know, like, getting all excited and, like, coming out and everything was, like, more centered around white women. And, like, we can even see that because in the movie, um, No Mas Bebes... Um, basically, they're like there's this Chicano movement where they were, and it was arising around the same time as um, the white feminist movement. Um, but basically, the Chicano movement was saying that they wanted the choice to be able to have as many children as they wanted because they were getting in and they too were women many of color, yeah, right? Yeah, they were women of color who, in too many instances, were getting their tubes tied without their informed consent. Um, and the white feminist movement was rejecting their movement because at the same time they were also trying to argue for the right um, to make the choice of whether they wanted to have an abortion or not. So they wanted the right to control their own bodies. So like you can hear that like these movements are in essence the same thing. They both want the right to govern their own bodies. But white feminists were rejecting the Chicana movement because it wasn't the exact same thing, you know? Yeah. 
And I think what she's then claiming is that this essentialism, as in there is one female experience, mm-hmm. we all need to tap into, like, yeah. this one, I think she says, some golden nugget of womanness that all women have as women, yeah. uh, essentializes it as if, as if there is unity when sometimes there isn't. And often that voice that we're then meant to tap into, I'm doing mm-hmm. the quotation marks, is a voice that, it, the dominant voice is by white middle class women. Yeah. So, so I think the, the movement is a really good example. Another one would be kind of the beauty standards that she references. So how there's a, uh, a beauty standard of universally, basically, of a white, um, like tall, blue eyes, blonde hair kind of girl. And that we, if, if you essentialize, you might say, okay, so we all want to be that. And, and some of us are further away than others. So like, it's it's, black women have it even worse so it's just quantitatively more difficult for them than it is for white women but what she's kind of using uh, this example to say is actually it's not just quantitatively different it's not that there's just two stacked categories of like gender discrimination and race discrimination for black women but that they interact Mm -hmm. in like a way which makes it impossible to kind of just say it's two stacked things of like oh they have it extra bad kind of thing and she uses this quote how like um Pecola Breedlove it's a black girl and that's written in literature I think I'm not, don't quote me on that Pecola Breedlove for born black and ugly spends her lonely childhood praying for blue eyes so what she's kind of saying is it's not just that it's a more intense longing for that kind of beauty so I might have brown eyes and wish I had blue eyes it's also combined with this kind of in her opinion as a black woman self-hatred from within Mm -hmm. and some kind of different experience which is more complex than just saying it's it's more you know and i think that's really interesting um so she's like the complexity of experience as a black woman uh is deeply rooted in color as as much as it is in gender Yeah. yeah and we need to stop treating it like it's all just based in color or or no not in color in gender but that then raises the question of like well okay so if we're just going to treat everyone this as a complex being with um all these different aspects how do we create a movement how do we have political change yeah no i'm not saying because this brings us back to the idea of identity politics yeah and i think that like to a certain extent that is necessary I mean because like we need to stop treating all women like white women because that's obviously not the case and like by doing that we're kind of erasing what they're experiencing as women of color we say this as two enlightened white girls (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah like obviously there reaches a point where you can't cater to everyone's individual need but you need to just, like, try to do the most for the most people, I think. Yeah, and I think what... Because she kind of addresses that at the end. Mm-hmm. She says, like, okay, so if if we're all going to take into account these complex categories, are we all just one single being who can't be together in a movement, as in a feminist movement? And I think one answer she gives is that we can find... And I'm not sure how much I agree with this because I feel like people always find 
a common enemy is always useful in a yeah. way, and yeah. that binds together. But she says we need to find commonness in in our differences in a way, so we can find wholeness by like a, a shared purpose to challenge any kind of discrimination. Um, in, uh, so the the togetherness comes from effort and imagination to root out and examine differences, is what she says. So our strength can come from finding that difference and, and finding a way to kind of enable it. Um, and and rather than it being based on shared suffering, because I think that's what she says is the problem, right? Mm-hmm. If we're all like, oh, look at us women, we're all experiencing yeah. it in exactly the same yeah, way, that's exactly, why we need to yeah. fight together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what she kind of says we need to find creative ways of managing those problems. I'm not completely convinced because I feel like shared suffering is always been a basis mm-hmm. for kind of activism yeah but so I, I don't know if that would work mm-hmm. but like in theory it sounds nice <laughs> I mean I feel like yeah there has to be like a general kind of understanding of like what it's like to go through that but there also just has to be a lot of empathy you know because mm-hmm. like or sympathy like you may not know exactly what a black woman is going through but you have to listen to their story and like take it as the truth and then just you know try to like help them as well you know like Mm. because we're all fighting towards something equal rights like basically and like you don't know what it's like to be a black woman and what obstacles you have to you know deal with yeah but if you I don't know and I guess that's what she means with this whole will yeah you know it's about the will to open yourself up to be creative in finding Mm -hmm. uh solutions yeah okay so there's absolutely no segue here but one thing we also wanted to quickly touch on was White female complicity in racial terrorism. Bum, bum, bum. And how do we as white women feel about it? <laughs> Pretty shit. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm not American, though, so my hands are clean. Unlike yours. <laughs> okay, so I, do you want me to explain the situation for us? Okay, explain the situation. So, um... One thing uh, she she mentions in the article is um, a study done in 1892 which analysed lynching laws and in there she she makes an argument about white female complicity in in lynching which is often kind of neglected. We always see it when when you imagine the mobs of people it's always white men going after black men, right? So what is the role of black females and white females in, in that kind of uh, historical event that happened mm-hmm. um, and I just want to give her a quote on this because mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to explain her point of view the best and we can discuss it mm-hmm. so both the law of rape and southern miscarceration laws were part of a patriarchal system through which white men maintain their control over the bodies of all black people so what does this mean well basically what she's saying is through through this system of violence which was in place at that time white men were able to control black men and black women 
because first of all they control black women because their violence towards black women which happened so often was not even illegal yeah. it was not punished it yeah. just went unpunished so rape exactly. towards black women in mm-hmm. a sense didn't exist mm-hmm. it didn't exist legally mm-hmm. so they could get away with that but they controlled black men as well because often what got black men lynched was accusations of rape towards white women right so they were able to control the bodies of black men through these accusations um through through the rape and and lynching system in a way and what she's basically saying is in a sense at that time i mean we can't speak for everyone is that but that white women were complicit in this by not speaking up and by not falsifying whatever was accused towards black men i feel like white women have always been like the most complicit and like it's so interesting because at least in my opinion i think a lot of the time white women like kind of just remove themselves from like the oppression because they're like i'm also oppressed as a woman so how can i oppress other people Mm. and so then they don't see their active role in the oppression of people of color um so then they don't really do anything to fix it and everything that they do kind of like to advance equal rights is just for themselves as white women i mean obviously this is not, well, not like just this is not individual yeah. you know like i'm i'm not gonna go out and point to a white women and be like you don't freaking care about people of color but like what i'm saying is as a movement a lot of the time like it's just kind of white women who are just like I'm a woman, so, so I'm going to try to... experience with this? Not me personally, but I know that, like, so... Okay. There's just, like, a lot of, like, history with this, I would say, where, like, basically a lot of... Like, I didn't know this, but I took a class and I learned this. Basically, um, in 1970, there was going to be a um, a law put into place where universal preschools across the country were going to be free and were going to be put in place and people and kids get to go to preschool and like it was shown um that if you go to preschool you develop your brain a lot more and so you end up you know building those connections and like getting a head start and it's a lot better um and that was going to happen um but then there was a movement from like conservative white women that opposed it and they were like no this is an affront on women as caretakers like you're telling us that we don't know how to raise our own children Mm -hmm. and that's just ridiculous and why would you ever do this and it they got the bill stopped Mm. like literally all that was left to do was president nixon had to sign it and that was it and it was going to be a law but they stopped that from happening and so then it's like they're not looking at the multitude of experiences that people are living. They're looking at their own experience as caretakers and as homemakers because that was primarily the role of white middle-class women mm. at the time. So they're not looking the, at the experience of women of color who oftentimes weren't allowed the luxury of being able to stay home and care for their children. Personally, they had to go out and they had to work. Yeah, And so that's what I'm saying when I say that women especially white women 
tend to kind of be complicit without even realizing it because they think that because they're oppressed in one sense that that means they're on the same page as other people as other like people of color who are also being oppressed yeah it's a really interesting point and good uh good example of that that's a scary noise it's my knuckles cracking (laughs) (laughs) bonus uh sound effects here Mm um i mean obviously we have to remember that it's not that there are so many irrelevant of skin tone or, or genders, there are people who are thinking about this, aware of it, and yeah. and doing something, yeah, including white women. Yeah. Um, but that what what just shocks me if we're talking about white women, is how many of I, I know there's lots of reasons why you would vote for Donald Trump, and I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, everyone was brainwashed into voting for him. Mm-hmm. I think there are probably legitimate reasons why people did. But how many women, oh white God, women, voted I for Trump? Know. After all the sexual assault allegations, I just don't I understand it. No. Why? Right? It's, is that then a racist thing? Like, I don't want to essentialize it. I don't but know. But what, what reasons would you thing. have? I, it, actually, if there's any white female Trump voters listening, please tell hit us. Hit us up. No, actually, I know a few, and like, genuinely. I don't think they were even thinking when they voted. Like, one of them was from Florida, and she was like, I just voted for him because I, my family's Republican, and I'm in a swing state, and so I have to vote Republican, you mm. know? Like, it wasn't even a question of, like, who he was and what he had done, which is ridiculous to me, because it's like, I don't know, think for Well, yourself. maybe it's relating to the whole make America great again thing, like a pride in the country. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a level of racism that you have to think, not even, like, necessarily realize that you think, but there has to be a level of unconscious bias Mm -hmm. in you to, like, think that, like, because we're giving out welfare to people, that, like, they're not going to work, you know? And, like, all these things, you know, that, like... Is this is this us going back to being the two communist white girls (laughs) episode? (laughs) No, I'm just saying, people need welfare, and just because they're receiving welfare doesn't mean they're not working and doesn't mean they're not worthy of it, basically. Right. Whatever. Two white communists. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the movie. So what movie did you watch this week, Gabby? We watched No Mas Bebes. Um, no mass babies, which means, which means no more babies. No more babies. Yep. So Tell basically, um, in the late 1960s, early 1970s, in L.A. County, and really like across the U.S., but the film was focused on L.A. County, um, there was a lot of Latina women who were going into L.A. County Hospital to go have babies. Like, they were pregnant, they were in labor, they were going to have their babies, and... Um, more than a few of them were coming out sterilized. So basically, there was kind of a movement whether or not they recognized it as that, where doctors were basically sterilizing these women without their informed consent, and they would go in in the middle of labor when women are just like peak pain. They don't really freaking care about anything else other than getting this baby out and the doctors are like, um, 
asking them if they want to get their tubes tied. And a lot of the time, these women don't realize what's being asked of them because, you know, in that kind of state of mind, like, I wouldn't. Um, and so they're signing these forms and consenting to be sterilized. And also the forms are in English, right? Even yeah, and they're in English. So exactly. Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's also discrimination in that sense because um, some of these women didn't speak English and so they didn't know what they were consenting to. And like, there's a story of literally this one woman who basically the doctors had told her that she was going to die with like if she didn't get this emergency c-section and he was like who do you want to save the kid or you and she said save the kid mm. and then he goes i'm gonna do even better i'm gonna save you both oh. like this cool white hero complex it was so annoying. superman but so mm. basically he's like you just need to sign this and she's like i'm not gonna sign it right now like my husband's not in the room i'm not gonna consent to anything without his opinion um, and the nurse is like, no, you need to, you're literally going to die. You and your child are going to die if you don't sign this right now. She's like, no, I have to wait for my husband. And he, or the nurse literally takes her hand and scribbles on the paper for her. Oh my God. And so then she was sterilized. So what, where is all this coming from? Was it a plot from the doctors? Was it, because it, it wasn't a government, was it a government law? No, like, I don't think so. No. I think it was like. I'm not sure because no one, like, the people at the top are refusing any kind of guilt, of course. Mm -hmm. So they're not recognizing their role in it. But, like, why were they tying tubes in the first place? Because there was a quote unquote population problem. And they were trying to get control of the population. And Latina women were at the time, I guess, known to be having a lot of children. And so they were trying to stop it from that perspective so they would just sterilize these women because they were like we have a population but do you think it was planned on the part of the doctors as in they've specifically targeted latino women they targeted poor women at the la county hospital it's it was a public hospital Mm. so poor women were primarily the people going there to have their children it wasn't middle class rich women who could afford private hospitals yeah so, I mean, it's just such a clear, clear, blatant sign of violence and sexual assault against women of color. Mm. Um, but I don't even... And this was in the 70s. This is in the 70s. And there, there was a court case, right? Yeah, there was a court case. So there was this woman, I can't remember her name, but she... Um, was straight out of law school basically and one of the doctors actually had been like compiling evidence because he didn't think what they were doing is right um and so he was like writing to anyone and everyone he could and being like hello this is what is happening please do something um and her law firm was the law firm that decided they were going to take it on and so she represented them in court and she wanted to get reparations for each of them basically she was not able to but she was able to um like improve kind of policy around that like regarding consent forms and everything so there had to be forms i think um in spanish as well um there had to be like a certain time 
that you give the person to think about because they were like just give the person three days like this is such an important big thing like Mm. you need to be able to give this person three days to think about um and so I think they got like a lot of good things put into place but like nothing to address the damage that had already been done to these women okay and was there one thing about the movie which was particularly striking to you, if you had to, like, describe it in um, 30 seconds? I feel seconds? like there was one moment where this woman was just, like, it was rape. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, weird and crazy to me because I feel like I've recognized what society views as rape, and it's, like was so just weird to like be like yeah that so she was she saw it as she rape. saw it as rape mm. or one of the doctors actually like mm. one of the uh the residents she was a female resident and she was basically saying that what they were doing was like akin to rape mm. interesting yeah and i like I guess, it's like the were because, I mean, that's just, like, introduces such a new idea about what rape is. Mm. That, like... It's a violation of bodily exactly. integrity. Exactly. But in, a, in like, the, almost the, the negative way, right? Yeah. So almost the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it was, like, really crazy. And I think that that would, like, threw me for a loop. And I... Like, when she said that. Mm. I mean, obviously, the whole movie, I, like, kept crying. Um... So would like, you recommend it to our listeners? I would absolutely recommend it. Okay, guys, go watch No Mas Babies. It's okay, crazy. we have, like, hardly any time left. So is there anything else we want to talk about? Stereotypes? Yeah, let's talk about stereotypes. Okay, so I have this one quote that we're going to base our discussion on, kind of. So this is from Crenshaw. Who's that? The second article. Got it. Um, people of color must often weigh their interest in avoiding issues that might reinforce distorted public perception of their communities against the need to acknowledge and address intercommunity problems. Basically, what this means is if you kind of are a woman of color, say, and something happens to you as a woman, sometimes you're going to ignore that for the good of your community whether that be african-american people or latino people or you know and those movements can sometimes clash and i think that's what she's trying to Mm -hmm. say as well so one example she gives is in researching her articles she wanted to find out rape percentages for mm-hmm. certain LA neighborhoods because they're often racially segregated so how, how what's the rape percentage in the Latino neighborhood in the African-American neighborhood but the police wouldn't give those uh, numbers to her because they actually because activists yeah. had had gone against that and said we shouldn't publicize those numbers because it will reinforce the stereotype of black men and Latino men as yeah. violent yeah. and abusers of women mm-hmm. which obviously is 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 a good argument right so like you could say like obviously if those kind of results get published people might read them and see straight away like oh black men latino men are violent Um, so it reinforces that stereotype Mm -hmm. but at the same time it doesn't give women of color right the the help and support that they Mm -hmm. would might need Mm -hmm. by 
by focusing on their specific cases. Yeah. And I think one other example she gives is that women of colour might be reluctant to come forward because they don't want those stereotypes being reinforced. Exactly. So even their personal actions are, like, Mm -hmm. um, influenced by that. Yeah. And I think that's also, like, why it's so important to understand that women as a whole is just not, like, not all women are the same and women experience different things and it's unfair to treat them all as just, oh, like women you know (laughs) yeah totally agree okay well that was two white girls do we want to comment anything on us as two white girls seeing as we're talking about gender this week I don't know I think it's just important to recognize what we can do yeah as to I think some of the stories that we read about this mm-hmm. week were like kind of striking to me because it's like wow this is so far from anything I've yeah. experienced yeah. like I've never had any kind of bad sexual harassment in any way or, or sexual violence and I've been very lucky of course in that sense but just hearing how that can be compounded even more by your race and your mm-hmm. maybe even yeah where you come from where you grew up obviously your class all those things can make it so difficult for women and I just I'm just happy to be able to understand that more and see that like more nuanced understanding as yeah. well not saying obviously that it's that's I think it's important to remember that it's not quantitatively different so I wouldn't ever say like oh rape is worse for colored women than for white women but it's qualitatively different, right? Mm-hmm. That it's like the experience itself is made of different emotions and different yeah. norms, different yeah. background, different contexts. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important for everyone to know. And I, that's not really what you hear about much mm-hmm. either in the media. I so. agree. I feel like we could keep talking about this forever. Unfortunately, we have You have two to minutes. <laughs> yeah, I have to be somewhere in two minutes. Okay, <laughs> got a dash. Thank you for listening. Also, um, if you are a listener of ours, one of the mysterious <laughs> three people that we don't know, then please get in touch with us. Send us a question. Oh my god, yeah, actually. Yeah. Send us like a message, or I think you can send a voice message. I'm not Ooh, sure. Okay, that we'll would be figure weird, it out. But that'd be cool. Okay, bye. See you next week. <laughs>